Hi, and welcome back to the Inner Call podcast. Today's guest is Carla Morrison, who is a Grammy-nominated and three-time Latin Grammy winner. She has a new song out right now that's titled Todo Fue Por Amor, and that will be the soundtrack to a documentary also coming out called With This Light. I was super surprised and delighted that Carla actually knew about my work and my book, my journal. We talk a bit about it a little bit on the podcast, but it wasn't actually that surprising once I started speaking to her because she is a huge spiritual soul. I really felt her depth in this chat and it became really clear to me that she is super connected. For one, she's truly lived a life that is a hero's journey. She's a child of the border growing up in Tecate, Mexico, and she really brought her way up without any kind of formal training. She's completely self-taught in music. She just follows that inner call as to how she wants to create and how she wants to share her voice with the world. And what's more, the first time that I heard her music, I recognized instantly a really profound, deep, spiritual, awakening of sorts, it was almost like her music has a deep power to penetrate your soul. We talk about this in today's podcast because I'm not the first to say that to her. And I really love this conversation because I think if you're a highly sensitive person, if you're someone who feels things quite intensely, there's a lot here for you to digest, a lot for you to think about. Carla and I are both highly sensitive people and we've had to navigate our world and our place in the world. We've had to set our boundaries. We've had to protect our energy and she's really come into her full power. So that's inspiring and it's motivating and it will be something that you can really, really apply in your own life. I know that you're gonna walk away with a new sense of awe of what's possible when we connect to our inner call. If you have been listening, if you've been inspired, please, please leave a review, share this with a friend because surrounding yourself with the people who are also investing in their intuition, it's going to make yours stronger and stronger. So I'm excited that you're listening today because you're giving yourself a huge gift and I hope that you enjoy our conversation. Hi, can you hear me? I can hear you, I can't see you yet. Ah, there you are. How are you today, are you good? I'm good, I'm good, I'm, I'm, I'm good. glad you're here. Thank you for being here. It is really exciting for me. I have fallen in love with you through your music, like absolutely fallen in love with you. And so it's such an honor now to get to chat. It's like a dream come true. You get to listen oh. to your artist and then be like, oh wait, I have all the questions. So I'm really, really excited. Thanks for being here. No, no, thank you. I'm so happy. Uh, so good. So we got to meet only just recently. And I have so many questions for you because as I've been listening to your music, I the first thing that hit me was that you really speak from your heart and from your soul. Do you feel that way when you when you sing? Do you feel like there's a part of you that kind of comes out I mean, I do feel like when I sing, it's like, a, it's always like a healing experience for me when I sing. It's not something that, I don't know if I actually knew that consciously, but I always feel like I heal myself every time I sing. And I honestly, I don't think my voice is the best. I feel like I've heard so many beautiful voices that I'm like, wow, 
but I do get the feedback of a lot of people saying that my voice gives them a lot of peace and a lot of just like a calming sensation, even sometimes with when they don't understand what I'm saying. It's always been very like a very healing experience. So when I sing, I always feel like like something's happening and I don't know exactly what it is, but something's going on. Something's going on. I love it. Well, so that everybody knows what that something is, I'm going to play your Disfruto song, which I think captures it. Just from the moment that I heard that first note, I was like, oh, yes, there's like, there's a being in there. So I want to play it, if that's okay, just for a few seconds so that everybody has an awareness of what it is that the healing is referring to, because I think you can hear it on here. So I'm going to play it and hopefully this will work. <laughs> I wanted to play that because of what you said that you feel that something is healing for you as well as healing for the audience. When you sing, when you talk about it being a healing experience, there was so much that you said that I wanted to unpack. What is that experience like for you? Is it a trance state? Do you feel like part of you disappears? It's funny because I've always felt like when I write songs or I... Yeah, when I write songs or when I'm actually performing, I always feel like I'm an instrument to God and I'm not I'm not religious, but I do believe in God and I feel like um I feel like an instrument. Like I I'm like I'm I'm kind of like the connection for people's emotions because I am aware I became aware a couple of years ago that I'm very sensitive. I'm an, a highly sensitive person. And for, for the longest time, I didn't know this. And so I would suffer through a lot of things in, in life. Like, I don't know, like, let's say everybody wanted to go to Six Flags Magic Mountain. And I didn't because I was like, no, this is so much for me. And I felt like a loser. I felt like I I just wasn't like everybody else. Or if everybody wanted to watch like a terror movie, like a scary movie, I would I would just have the worst time. And everybody would be like, oh, you're just such a scaredy cat. And or if like emotions would take over me and if I was very overwhelmed, I I just, you know, I just felt very scared. And so I when I learned that I was a highly sensitive person, that made a lot of sense to me. And so I finally took the time to really create spaces for me where I felt safe and where I felt secure. And so when I'm... So when I'm performing and or I'm writing, I tend to let myself be more so now than ever because I know how intuitive and how sensitive I am to the process. So whenever I'm writing, let's say, and I feel like something special is happening and I feel like something inside inside of me is saying, continue, I continue. But if I don't feel that, I I kind of let it be. And and with when I'm performing, I I try and always get into a space where I feel like I'm really sending the message of the song because I have this idea in my mind that I am 
so responsible for the for the person that came to see me they want to find something in their life they want to they want to find an answer and i feel like if i perform that in the right direction in the right way they will be able to go home and have that realization for themselves and be like of course this is what i felt when i was listening to the song and i when i'm on stage even though obviously there's moments where i watch the crowd but i kind of go into a trance and i just like stare at a place in in the in the venue where i can't really see anyone i just see dark and then i just kind of go into the moment where like where the song is coming from and i just perform it as if i'm there literally living it all over again and and if it's like a heartbreak song if it's like a love song but i really like give myself completely to it because i feel like it's my job to for people to to go back home and feel like wow i felt alive today like when i went to this show it made me feel all these things that i haven't felt in a while that i haven't attended to and so it's like i go into a trance when i'm live and i also go into a trance when i'm uh making a song because i i i feel like it's so important to me like it's just something that is almost like very spiritual even though it's just music oh it's never just music no i i completely understand because i have always used music to get into meditation always and it's the songs like that that break me open that i like to listen to it's not meditation music always it's the song that's going to make me feel something especially if i'm working also on stage so I loved what you said. So much of it resonated with me. I do the exact same thing. It's a very different experience. Obviously, I'm not singing on stage, but it still is a very similar experience of almost breaking myself open to then walk out. I've definitely had moments where I'm like, oh, I don't know if I can break myself open today. Do you have that as well? When it's hard or when you're like, oh, that's too far to go today. It's going to feel very overwhelming. Yes, 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 yes. I've had moments where last year I had a run through California and I think we were we were going through different cities for a couple of days. And on the third day, I felt like I was fine. I did my usual rituals which is like breathing, exercising, warming up my voice, warming up my body. Everything felt good. Everything was okay and then I come out and I see people and I instantly feel like fear. and like super overwhelmed and i was like <gasps> and i just started to like do things that i wasn't usually doing while performing certain songs like there's some songs where i'm just like standing on the microphone or maybe i'll just be with the guitar but there this time i was kind of walking around and like i couldn't sit still i felt very very anxious and i was like man this sucks because there's like 3000 people in front of me <laughs> and i i feel like i want to break down i feel like i want to like get off the stage and cry because i don't understand but i feel very overwhelmed and like i i'm a sponge you know and i remember there was a song where i stopped where i mean the song ended and i said i had to say i said guys i'm having a beautiful time but i'm about to have like a panic attack and everybody was like what <laughs> and i remember i said I know it feels like it's perfect and I should have everything together and you know but I need to come clean and say it I'm very nervous and I don't know if I'm really tired 
if I miss my two doggies way too much, or if you guys are too many for me to understand, but I'm very nervous. And so people started cheering me up and saying, hey, Carla, you got this, you got this. And so I remember um, my husband and uh, the, the other guitarist kind of got close to me and they started looking at me kind of like winking at me, like we got you, we're here, if anything. And that really, and I remember singing the next couple of songs, crying, just like letting everything out because I, I was just so scared of like what was going through my body. And then finally at some point, like, boom, like I felt better. And then when I reflected on what had happened, I realized that I was tired. I realized that I hadn't eaten so much that day, that I had too many things on my mind, that I was worrying too much. I kind of spent all my energy and all of my all of the things that I needed before that show. And so like we just made a, a, a decision that I won't be doing like sound check every day. At the end of the day, I'm, you know, I'm coming out to thousands of people to sing and I have to preserve that energy. And so it, it's something that has happened. It's it's sometimes I, I don't feel like I want to do it, but it doesn't happen too often. So whenever it happens, I try to be very gentle to myself and 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 just be very um like kind and 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 be my friend and be like, hey, you're different, Carla. It's okay that you you feel this way. It's okay because you're, you were made different. You're not more special or anything. You're just made different and you need certain boundaries to be able to perform the things that you do. And that's why people love you and you need to love that too, you know? So I've learned to understand that for the longest time, I, I, I was very hard on myself. I was very judgmental, but now I'm just like, I, this is who I am and, and that's it. And this is who I'm going to be for the rest of my life. And and that's okay. I couldn't love it more. I so relate. I so relate. I feel like I grew up with this idea of gotta do it perfect. And being an overly sensitive child means that and as an adult, I'm overly sensitive. So it means that I might want to do that thing. <laughs> but I've had to learn to sit my butt down and be like, that's not you. And that's okay too, right? So I find it amazing that you mentioned the highly sensitive person. I myself bring it up in class all the time with students. It's researched by Elaine Aaron on sensitivity. And only 20% of the population really is categorized as highly sensitive, meaning that our world was made for the 80%, you know? How did you come to that research and, and what was the aha moment for you? I just started like researching and like, like really like, Hey, am I just reading this and maybe it makes sense to everyone and it's not real or if, is it really me? And so I just started reading books about it and articles and videos and things like that. And it just made complete sense. And I remember just, I, it kind of made me reflect on, on the time on, on my, you know, on my life and all the things that I've done up until that point, because also when I found that, article I was living in Paris France where I had moved because I I when I was when I was 23 I started you know making albums and and touring and it was all like really work oriented oriented and then there was a point where I was just very burned out and I just decided I wanted to stop and everybody told well, not everybody but almost everybody told me this is the wrong decision why you're doing this and I said I feel like in my gut, if I don't leave, I will probably kill myself. And I'm not saying this in a very 
just like, oh yeah, I would kill myself. Like I felt suicidal. I felt like life was not worth living if I was just going to go for the cycle of making an album and touring it and doing interviews. Like I just felt like that was very vain. And so I was like, I want to move. I don't know where exactly, but I think I need to move. And so when I'm, when we moved to Paris, me and my husband, it was more because it was his idea. I never really pictured myself in Paris also because I didn't know French at the time. So when we moved, I had a, 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 it was because of this gut feeling that told me you got to move and you got to just get away from this and trust the process. Because if you don't trust this, like you have nothing to do with music if you don't take time to heal yourself. Mm. And so I went to Paris and I did a ton of things that I had never done, like cooking, <laughs> like riding the Metro by myself and like just simple things. And I remember one of the things was reading. And I remember when I read this, it was at that time. And it just made me realize like, wow, this is going to help me so much moving forward because now I have the, the energy and like the calmness to receive this information. I can actually process it and I can actually use it as a tool moving forward because I am different. I, I do perceive life different. Like I remember even telling my sister, my older sister, oh, I go to this park. I want to take you there. And she's like, oh, what's in that park? And I'm like, oh, I go there and like think. Yeah. <laughs> I, remember, I remember she was like, what? You go there and like reflect? I'm like, yeah. And she's like, you're deep. I'm like, why? And she's like, why would like, I want to go to the mall, you know, I want to go to like, have like girly stuff. And I'm thinking, wow, she's right. <laughs> I go to a park and I go to reflect, like I am pretty deep. And so things like this started to make a lot of sense to me where I was like, yeah, I tend to be very, I'm an extrovert, but I'm also very introverted. I've always been very different from my family members. I've always been very different from my friends. I've always been very different because I just perceive life different and I'm very, very intense and deep. And I just feel like everything in life has something to tell me. And at the same time, I'm very uh, grounded because I was born in a very small town. And so I'm, I'm happy with the basics. And so that also made it hard for me to understand how intuitive I was because Everybody in my hometown is very simple, you know, we just are happy with the simple things in life. And so to me, being different was like weird. And so it took, it was hard for me to be like, hey, Carla, you are special and different in a way where you're, you have to be cautious with what you consume, not only in your, in like to, uh, to nurture yourself, but also like mentally and spiritually. So, but now I feel like I'm on the other side and I feel way better. Yeah. It's funny how we push against that. For me, too, I remember reading The Highly Sensitive Person when I was 19, I want to mm -hmm. say. And I remember doing the checklist and being like, well, I mean, not that sensitive. And almost hating the sensitive label. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? Because I, I similarly, I grew up thinking I was kind of tough. And then when I was eight, my best friend called me delicate. She's like, oh, well, Flora's just delicate. You know, like, Flora just needs, like, a little, like, bubble wrap around her. And I was like, take it back. Like, oh, my God. You know? But at the same time, 
she also was like, you cannot sit still. Like you, I need to give you lazy lessons. So it was this interesting childhood of being very sensitive, but still being very driven. And I think that's always been seemingly for people who kind of get into the highly sensitive research or identify themselves as that it's a hard thing to understand that you can be sensitive and still be extroverted or that you can be sensitive and still be super driven and want to go like change the world right it, it just because you're sensitive doesn't mean <laughs> that you are going to be this hermit who yeah. doesn't want to go out and do big things it's just your nervous system works differently yeah yeah no I totally get you I totally get because I always felt like I wanted to change the world and do things for other people and fight for justice and just be so like you know so yeah i totally get you i i never felt um like i didn't want it to go out in life or do anything i i actually felt like i wanted to do so many things but i also felt very guilty like why do i want to do so many things that stimulate me so much and then i'm going through hell while i'm doing those because i'm like ah! so much information and people are looking at me you know like it's just so much but I want to do it and so I always felt conflicted until I started to to really treat my my work in a, in a different way where it was like okay yeah this is all part of it you know the fame and and the recognition and and people wanting to know your business way too much but but you're doing it for a higher purpose and a higher reason that other people, you know, maybe some people that you won't ever get to meet, they'll listen to your album and they'll feel healed. And, and that's really the, the whole point. And there's so many of us that feel lonely and feel like nobody understands you. And, and you just feel like, man, there's nobody in the world. And then you listen to a song and you're like, wow, this person did feel the same way I felt. And, and they feel connection. And I feel like as humans, when we feel connected and we feel like there's somebody out there that is like us. It's it's such a beautiful feeling because we're so separated in in this day and age and 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 also, you know, we're in such different cities and and towns and and the way of thinking can be so different from like somebody from the city from somebody from a town and it's just a lot to process. And so to me it's like okay, it comes with all of that, but I will risk it just because I feel like this is a higher purpose of why I, I I make music. Yeah. So what does that look like now? After that point, you are experiencing major burnout, major suicidal tendencies. That's overwhelming for anyone. How do you feel like your current practices keep you from revisiting that or have you revisited it? And what have you had to do in order to reshape the structure of your life? Yeah, well, I think that I feel like the, the, those almost three years that I lived in Paris were very, just very, very good to me because they really reminded me of, of the important things in life. I also felt very validated in Paris. And so uh, as an artist, like I wasn't asked like, no, what's your real job? <laughs> it was more like, oh, you're a singer. And you're a songwriter that's awesome you know and that was it it's not like it wasn't like a weird thing but it's funny because i did move from paris to la which is like the counterpart of 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 like life you know and and things like that and so i remember the first year it was a little bit of a shock but i we were still in the pandemic it it, it wasn't like a huge transition and then when i started touring again last year I felt like 
I wanted to go into uh, making the experience more thoughtful. And so what I started to do was just what keeps me like more grounded in these days and on tour is just really, really making space for who I am on tour. Because I feel like I was always, I was always like the singer songwriter on tour. And then I was just the simple person at home. And I just merged the two. And I said, you're, you're still Carla and you're still Carla Morrison home and on tour, take care of your energy. Like you're going to see so many people, you're going to give your energy to so many people. So really take care of that space. Don't read so much social media. Um, don't read everybody's comments, like really know and be conscious what you're doing because that will affect when you're on stage and your concentration levels. And so I try to be as, as good as I can with that. Sometimes I, I can't because it, it's, it's hard. And also really kind of remind myself that life is supposed to be slow. And not because everything tells you it's easy and it's quick, like you put on an Uber and it's here in three minutes. That's not life, really. That's just the new modern life, but and like ways of being practical, but that's not life. Life is supposed to be slow and it's okay if it's slow. I try to set boundaries, but, and at the same time, I feel like there was a point last year where I felt like I was really, really working. And I started to get on that like train of like, okay, I'm working again. And then we went on in December, we went to Paris and it was crazy because it just reminded me of everything that I had learned there. And I came back home thinking, no, I, I like, I need to create my Paris in LA. I need to create that. Like, I need to never forget that, mm. you know, that whole, yeah. Yeah. That life is supposed to be slow thing is good because I think you moved to LA the year I moved out of LA, which is funny. Did you move in 2020? I moved to Paris in 2019 and I moved back on 2021. Okay. No, 2018. 2018 at the end. And then I came here on 2021. Ah, okay. So I left LA 2020 after 13 years. And I had a friend in LA who used to call LA spiritual boot camp. <laughs> and she's right, I think. Like LA is spiritual boot camp, you know, because it's so fast and it's so intense and you have everything at your fingertips. And I had always known that, but then I moved to Portugal and here, if I want to get something off of Amazon, it's going to take a month and it will be 50, 50 chance if it gets here. Like it is so slow. And in the beginning, I hated it. <laughs> and then I just went back to LA for a few weeks and I came back to Portugal and I was like, thank God, everything is so much slower <laughs> because it's been so good for my nervous system. Yes. Yes. And it's crazy because one would think, yeah, you know, it's life now and you need everything fast. And I was getting on that train last year. And then I, I when I came back, I was like, no, no, no. Like, I'm not going to do that anymore. I want to create my own Paris here because in December we went to kind of close the cycle that we never were able to because we moved in the middle of the pandemic. And so we went, we went to say goodbye to our teachers and to people that we met over there. And it was really funny because by we were there for almost a little more than two weeks. And I feel like it just came back to me, like how slow things are sometimes in, in Paris and how I was rushing here for no freaking reason. I was like, why am I trying to run? Like, 
who am I trying to prove this point to? Why am I like joining this train of like craziness where I'm my own boss, girl, get your like stuff together. And so I feel like I just like calm down and I set even way more boundaries because people here won't care and they will call you on a Sunday and be like, Hey, can you prove this? And it's like, no, yeah. it's like Sunday. Yeah. Come on. Like see, go hang out with your family, <laughs> exactly. you know? So it is something that I, I feel like it's, it, it has to be very intentional on one's part to do so, because if you don't do it, then LA will just like, like do whatever it wants with you. It's a nice thing to remember that you can do it differently, especially if you have a sensitive nervous system, that the option is on the table if you decide to put the boundaries in. Yeah, yeah. And I think we don't all necessarily feel entitled to make that decision because we feel like, no, I can't do that, you know, because I'm not allowed or I, I don't deserve it or anything like that. And it's like, no, I think... I think we should allow ourselves that even more so. I mean, I think men can do that. Obviously, they should. But women, we tend to be very caring, very maternal, very there for anybody that needs us. We want to help and save. And and sometimes we just not need to make time for ourselves because we're very important and everybody needs, you know, everybody wants a little bit from us sometimes when we're like a friend, a girlfriend or a mom or et cetera. So it's just, it's, it's just reminding ourselves that we can do that. And also, I say this also from a, a Latina point of view, like a, as a Mexican, because Mexican women tend to be very hardworking and we take very seriously, like just to provide and to help and to cook and to just be like, like be very caregiving. And, and I think it's something that we need to just remind ourselves that we're allowed to do that too. And it's not a thing that Europeans can do and, and people from first world can do, we can all do it, you know? Absolutely. Get the kids to help out, get the husband to help out, like <laughs> just rally the troops. I couldn't agree more. I, you know, like <laughs> they've got hands. <laughs> I come from a Dutch background and I will say I'm lucky in that way and that it's pretty equal in terms of expectations. I grew up with a very equal household, um, but I've definitely... My parents actually live in Mexico now. Oh, wow. That's um, awesome. So they are, yeah. 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 They're, they love it. They're, they're fully there. They're in San Miguel de Allende. Oh, wow. Um, and, and I actually wanted to ask you about your Mexican roots because one thing that I love about my parents is they are true immigrants. They moved to the U.S. We moved when I was younger and they fully integrated and now they've moved to Mexico and they are fully integrating. Like they are doing their absolute best as people who are learning a new language in their 60s, which late 60s, which is very impressive. Wow. But they have um, predominantly Mexican friends. You know, they don't really like to hang out so much with the expats. They like really, really try to immerse themselves. And they were recently invited before Christmas. I didn't know this, but in Mexican culture, there's 10 days before Christmas where they're are mm -hmm. family gatherings and it's very prayerful it's very devoted and it made me wonder how much of your spirituality has been derived from Mexico, cult, mexican culture what did you hold on to what have you let go of what does that look like for you well it's funny because i grew up with i grew up with a, an interesting family because i mean first of all i was born and raised in uh 
Tecate Baja, California, which is like a, a little town, a border town with San Diego. So we never really felt completely Mexican, but we also never felt American. We just kind of felt like in the middle. Also because my dad was was from Durango and then he when he was like 13 I think or 14 he told my grandmother like oh I'm I'm gonna move to to like San Diego and my grandma was like okay like she didn't believe him right and he moved he just left and he crossed the border as like when when there were no borders before so he just crossed the border he met this guy this guy um, gave him a job and then he adopted him and then my dad became very American from like I say I'd say like from his 13 14 years old up until like 23 uh, or something or 25 he lived with this with this man who, which is he's was like my adopted grandpa and he um and so my dad was kind of like very American and and kind of Mexican like half and half and then my mom is from Mexicali which is also border town a little more into Mexico, but um, she didn't know any English. So it was it was a funny situation. And both of them weren't too religious. They they both agreed that they believed in God. But we try. I remember when we were young, we tried a couple of different churches and we never really stayed with like like one. And I remember asking my mom, like, why aren't we like going to the same church and I remember she said just that we've tried different ones and we just don't feel like they like there's a point where you feel like they want to control you but it's like something that human made it's not like spiritual so they finally decided that they didn't want it to keep going to to churches they just wanted us to have a relationship directly with God and 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 just like a one-on-one so I always, I've never had like, oh, like very Christian upbringing or a very Catholic. It's always been kind of like, just believe in God and, and trust, trust that God will help you, you know? And so it's funny because there's this holiday, which is Dia de los Muertos, the Day of the Dead. And we were in Mexico City, because I lived there for seven years and they they had a big parade and everybody had a little altar for the, the their loved ones and i never really did that when when we were in when i was in tecate we would just that day we would go visit my my grandma and and like our loved ones to the cemetery and we'd just take flowers and spend a couple of hours there with them and kind of clean their 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 little place and things like that so it wasn't like like we did like all these things so a couple of things that uh, of traditions that in Mexico they 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 live. I, I just don't really, I've never really adopted them to me or, or or to the way I lived. But I do feel like that's something that that I I kept always was my mom always telling me, God's with you. Just you know, ask and God will provide, and just have faith. Have faith, Mika. She would always tell me, have faith, Mika. You'll 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 make it. You'll see it it will happen eventually. It, it won't, you know? And so I've always like kept to myself to have a relationship directly to God as if he was like literally my best friend and just like tell him exactly how I felt. And so that's, that's it, culturally, I've never really got something where I feel like, oh, I took it with me and I took it all over. I, I never felt that way. Oh, that's really beautiful though, that relationship with God. Do you feel when you decided to go into music? Because I read... If Wikipedia is right, I don't know if Wikipedia is right, but it said that you dropped out of college and then 
decided to pursue a movie like and I wonder was that a conversation with God was that like you know what I'm going for it (laughs) (laughs) well it was funny because okay it was funny because when I was around 16 when I was around uh let's say like 14 or 15 of some friends had a band and they invited me to sing and I remember I sang, I was very nervous. My parents were like, why did you tell us that you sang? You sang so good. And I was like, well, I was scared. I don't know. And then something just told me, you know what? Like you need to move to the U.S. Because at that time, my brother, my older brother and sister were living in Arizona. So something told me you have to move because you, so you can enter college in, uh, and study musicology. And I thought, okay, so I'm going to do that. But I also felt like I had to get ready for something, something in my heart and in my gut would tell me like, you have to move. And I remember when I, it was, I was 16 years old. And I remember my mom told me, there was a point where my mom was like, Mika, you don't have to move. Like, do you feel like we're telling you this? Do you feel pressure from us? Have we said something that is making you feel this way? And I remember I I told her, no, no, I want to do it because I have to do it, mom. And she was like, but we don't have to do it. And I said, I know, but I have to. I remember I told her that I had to, and I never told her about my intuition because I didn't want to sound crazy, but I did tell her like, I just feel like I have to do it. And so when I moved, I was 16 years old. I remember my sister and my brother lived in a super small apartment and I chose to live in their living room out of my suitcase for like two years, all because I had this intuition that I had to just live there and I had to go to school and I had to make it work because I was gonna face so many challenges that these challenges right now at that moment were gonna prepare me. And so I remember it was a big culture shock. I didn't like the US. I remember feeling very alienated and just very lonely. And I remember, but something would tell me like, like, stay, stay. And I remember one time I had a very heated conversation with God and I said, please, like, what do you want from me? Like, if you want me to do this, like, show me the way, like, I'm just in high school and I, I don't know how to play the guitar. I don't know how to play the piano. I have no money to purchase none of them, but still I'm here and I don't know why I'm here. And I said, if you have an answer, please answer me, like, tell me something and nothing would happen. But I just felt like something was telling me, stay, stay. And I remember I kept going like back home to Mexico and something would tell me it's not the time you have to go back. And I would always go back and I would be mad at myself, but it was my gut feeling telling me, no, it's like, I almost could listen to the voices say, no, it's not time. No. And I did it for years because I lived in. Phoenix for like six years. And so I remember when I finally went to college and I started going to classes, everything just felt very academic. And I remember it felt like so uninspiring. And I I remember thinking, what? Like I gave up all for this. Like this sucks, you know, like this. I thought they would teach you how to be an artist. I thought they would teach you how to listen to your to your emotions and to make music. And I remember I dropped out and I I remember my brother told me, how can you just drop out? And I just said, I just don't feel it in my gut. I don't feel like this is right for me. I'm just going to pursue it myself. And so I just, I just like saved up money. I bought myself a piano and I taught myself how to play the piano and the guitar. And up to this day, I just played intuitively. I don't know many chords. I don't practice daily. I 
none of that. Like I just do it from my heart. And so it was something that later on when I went to Paris and I actually went into a conservatory of music, I learned that all of the songs that I've created from my heart and that have given me even Grammys, I'm like, there's people that study for this stuff. There's people that actually go to school all of their lives to actually be like a great artist. And I, and then that's, there was a moment where I realized, wow, this, this is, this was my calling. <laughs> and like, I haven't been able to see the value of my talent until now because I would see all of my friends and, and like do their solos and do their things with their instrument, their saxophones. And I, it wouldn't take me long to really just do a solo or, or try and do something right. Because I, and, and I started to understand it was all because of my confidence and like my, my, the trust that I put in my, in my voice and my talent, I guess. And it was never like cocky or, or like, yeah, I can do this. It just, I, I just really like followed my, my feelings. And so it, it was, it was a, a funny situation. So there was a heated conversation with God, but I think there were many and I just felt like God kept telling me no. And when I finally moved away from Arizona to Mexico to pursue my career full, I remember driving on the desert through Yuma, listening to a voice telling me, okay, you're not coming back anymore. You've wow. like, you've completed the time. Like literally I felt, I heard that. And I, and I remember thinking, I'm not, I'm not coming back. I'm so happy because I don't like this place. And, and so, because something told me that. And so it's, it's always been my intuition. It's crazy. It's I love crazy. that you say it. And I'm curious how yours speaks to you because, and maybe this is something you haven't ever thought about because a lot of people haven't, but I know for me, my intuition is always very emotionless and it seems to also come in thoughts. So I do very often have a thought rather, and I know a lot of people have gut feelings and I get some of that, but for me, it's very often thoughts. Similarly to your to your story around Paris, I actually, when I was in LA, had a moment where I was in a dog park and I my then partner was there, who's no longer my partner. And I remember all of a sudden I heard, you're leaving. And I was like, no, I'm not. I just, I'm in LA. LA feels good. I'm, I, like, I've been trying to get out of LA for the last five years, but not right now, because right now I accepted that I'm in LA and I would like to stay. And it was like, you're going. Like, it was so, nope, you're done. And I remember looking at him and being like, I think I'm leaving Los Angeles. He's like, well, with me? I was like, I don't know. The voice didn't tell me that. <laughs> like, I'm not sure if you're coming. <laughs> Oh, yeah. <laughs> Do you know? Which seems crazy, but I mean, yeah, he didn't come, um, unfortunately for him. But I did, I did, I was like, oh my God. And then I tried to not listen to it, to be honest, for about a year. And I thought, oh, I just need new pillows for the house. I just need a nest. Like, what, what, like, I'm not leaving. And then it became very clear that I was. So I'm curious for you, because over the years, I've really started to appreciate that that voice has a different caliber. It sounds different. It's not my own voice. So I'm curious for you what that intuition voice sounds like. It's really funny because it's not like I can hear it, but I can understand it. It's so strange. Like, 
it ha- it has happened to me many different times, many different times in, in many different situations, even recently, like just, and it's not that I can actually understand it. it. It doesn't like have a tone of voice, but it has, but it just, it, it, it just is. I don't, I, I wouldn't be able to, to tell you like, oh, I heard it, but it's almost as if this voice had no tone or no, I can't say if it's male or female. It just feels very clear. And it's like, like, I totally understand it. And I don't really share it a lot. I don't really tell these things to a lot of people because I feel like a lot of people would probably be like, uh, okay, uh, whatever, you know, but I, I, yeah. I believe in it. I believe in it. And I, I feel very, yeah, just like it makes a lot of sense. So I've, I've never heard the tone, but I've felt it very clear in my mind. Mm. Do you get emotions with it as well or gut feelings? Is there any other body aspect to it or is it just the tone of or the the awareness maybe hmm yeah no I, I just feel when I when I've like if I reflect on it and when I've heard these voices or these messages I've always felt a lot of peace hmm. like a lot of peace like something as if like something that gets close to me and is telling me these things is like something pure like pure and clear, but I don't feel any, I don't feel fear. I don't feel any, I don't, I don't feel anything. Just, I just feel very like, like calm, like as if something like a realization, but it's not a realization because I remember various times when I've, when I've heard these messages, I just like, I'm like, (gasps) like, I just, like, I just get like very, um, like surprised, like, Oh my God. Like, something just came to my mind and it makes complete and it makes complete sense. So yeah, something like that. Amazing. I love it. And then you and I talked about this briefly because you have a new song coming out, new single titled Todo Fue Por Amor, which is the soundtrack mm-hmm. of a documentary with this light. It's a legacy of sister Maria Rosa Legault. Um, And you wrote the single and I wanted to talk about that as well because you wrote me an email about having a really interesting story around that. So I'd, I'd just love to hear it from you and discuss it a little further. Yeah. So when I was told about, um, cause my manager told me, Hey, there's this movie that they're doing for a nun in Honduras and they are interested in seeing if you would like to watch the movie and see if you get some sort of inspiration to make a song. And I said, okay, I'll try it. I remember it was the beginning of last year and i watched it and i remember i thought okay at some point i'll you know i'll sit down in the piano and i'll see what i can write but i i wasn't making the time i was kind of like oh because i i've had many different offers where they asked me to write a song and then i know that there's many other people trying to make that song so i i wasn't like oh this is me special it was more like okay i'll get to it at some point and then there was a moment where they were like, hey, are you going to do it? And I was like, oh, wait, okay, yeah, I'll, I'll make time for it. So I remember I went to my piano, I sat down, and I started playing. And then I thought, how can I write this song so it makes sense to the people? Because this was actually going to be the credit song. So I, like, I had, like, a conversation with myself, like, saying, okay, the, the people that she helped, which is 86,000 kids that are now adults, some of them, they're going to go and watch this movie. And at the end, obviously, after seeing, 
you know, somebody that saved their lives, they might want to want to listen to something that that gives like warm to their heart because she's already gone, she's passed. And so I said, well, how can I, how can I write a song like this? And then I thought, well, something told me like, well, um, like I thought, well, maybe like a maternal song, like, like kind of like a parent song, like something that you would tell like your kid. And I thought, but how can I accomplish that if I don't have kids? And so I was just kind of thinking. And then I remember I prayed, I said, God help me to 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 get to this song. Like I don't know exactly what I'm supposed to do, but but I want to do I want to do something special, you know. And I said, "Okay." And then I started writing and I started making and it was so easy. And I was like I I remember I started writing the lyrics and it just like everything. I was like writing and I I almost felt like a rapper because I was like coming up with lines like very easily. I was like, "Oh my god, this is this fits perfect and this rhymes perfect. And then I just kept going and I was like, where am I getting? And I started to question, where am I getting these feelings from? Because I'm not a mom and I'm not a dad. And then I kind of felt like, like the nun, Sor Maria Rosa and my dad were there. And I just felt like, as if they were telling me like, like, mm. this is how you do it. Like, this is how you feel. And this is how, this is the love that you feel for, for your kid or, or your child. And And so I started to write and write. And I remember it came up so quickly, like in 30 minutes, I was already done. And I recorded it. And I was very surprised. And I was like, even I was even a little creeped out. I was like, did did Sor Maria and my dad team up and come and like, just whispered this into my ear? Like, I literally thought that and then I was like, I would not wait. And so I remember I kept it with me and then a couple of days later I showed it to my husband who's my producer and my collaborator for 10 years now and I said hey I wrote this song they asked me for this song and I wanted to show you and I wanted to see if like what do you think about it and I show it to him and he's like babe this is practically finished this is a beautiful song and I was like you think so because usually he's like oh, we could do this and we could do that. And he's like, this is a great song, babe. Like, this is amazing. And I was like, oh, well, hopefully it works. He's like, we just need to make a little change here. He's like, but honestly, like, it's it's literally done. And I said, okay. So we worked on it. It was actually really easy. So we send it out. And we were both kind of doubtful. Like, we had way too much fun with this. Maybe this is not even that good. <laughs> and I don't know. So we'll see. And then we send it out. And then the team were like, oh, this cannot be the credit song. This is the song. Like we want it in piano. We want it in strings. We want it for the whole wow. movie. We want it like a single. We wanted an English version, wow. Spanish. We want a music video. And we're like, oh my God, oh my God. And so they're like, it's crazy because you wrote this song and the director of the film told me, it's like you knew Sor Maria. Like, this is insane. How did you make the song? Like, we were crying when we heard it. Like, this is something that she, like, it resonates so much with her. And I remember I said, honestly, I don't want to sound crazy, but I feel like she kind of whispered it into my ear. I said, it was so easy. When I sat down, I was like, it was like 7 p.m. at night, and there wasn't a lot of light. I was sitting in my piano, and I just, like, I remember even kind of crying when I was writing it because it was such an emotional song because the song talks about how mm. 
she did everything for love and that's the title everything for love how because she was really just a nun she wasn't getting any money over all the charity that she was doing she was just really helping out kids because she was an orphan herself at 10 years old and so she helped like 86,000 kids and she was always trying to get them opportunities and it was really wow. just for love and so the song is about everything i did was for love because i wanted you to feel like you could touch the sky and like you could reach for your dreams i wanted to be like the the you know the the air beneath your wings i wanted you to know that you had opportunities that, that i was always going to be there for you and so when i wrote it i remember i felt very emotional thinking like my dad would tell me that and 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 also like her you know so the song uh, finally uh, you know got all these all these because they asked me they want we want a piano version for it for the in the middle of it like we want the theme of the song to be played during this the movie many times so when this the credit comes up you know the song finally is released and i said okay so right now i think it will be released in april but it's it's been a, a beautiful journey because it's an it's a song that i i would have never thought to write because I'm not a parent and I'm certainly not a nun, <laughs> but I do feel like uh, she literally whispered in my ear at her and my dad. It felt like something wow. that happened because of those two. It felt very magical. It was very easy and it just gave me so many opportunities. It was insane. It was insane. That's, I think it's really incredible. And for me, that doesn't sound crazy at all. And I think you got so much validation. Wow, what a, what an experience. Thanks for sharing. Do you feel, because you speak about your father as well, and he's in spirit, and do you, do you feel him around a lot? What's, what's been your relationship with, with him? With him? I mean, I do, when he passed, I remember I was actually moving from Paris to LA in that same moment that he was passing. And I remember it was really hard for me because I couldn't really be there. And also because of the pandemic, they wouldn't have let me. And so it took me a long time to kind of understand that he had passed. And then probably six months later that he passed, um, I started to go through this really like dark phase where I was grieving really bad and I, I, I needed answers and I was really going through it. And I had so many questions. And I remember suddenly things started to happen so much it's like there was a point where it was so many times that i had to like get myself in the restroom in my own bathroom like close the door and ask my dad to please stop because it was creeping me out and i was like <laughs> yeah. i see you i see you i know you're here but please it's scaring me a little bit can you please stop you can come around just don't let me know you're around because it's scaring me and it stopped but it was funny because I would, it started happening first with like, I would take my doggies out on a walk and butterflies would like come around and would come around and they would always make me think about my dad. And I was like, why would I think about my dad with butterflies? Like if I would see maybe like mm. something more macho, I would think about my dad, but not butterflies, you know, and it would happen all the time. And then there was a moment also when like I started feeling like he would whisper in my ear, like, go see your mom, go see your mom. And like, I would feel like, oh, I have no time. And, and But just something would tell me like, go see your mom, go see your mom. So I would go see my mom 
or there was a moment where he never took me to Disneyland. I mean, he did take me, but I was like 11 months old, but that, and that never really happened when I was older. And I remember when I went to Disneyland, my dad was a big fan of Neil Diamond. And I went to Disneyland the, the same year he passed. And I went with like some family members. And when we were entering Disneyland, Neil Di- like a Neil Diamond song started to play out of nowhere in mm. our in our car. And I remember I was like, wait, what? And then it just went away. And I thought, my, and I felt like my dad literally told me, I'm here. I'm sorry I never brought you, but I'm here. Like, enjoy your day. I will be here with you all day. And I remember it, it was a very emotional day because I had a beautiful day. And I was like, wow, this was a, a, an experience that I never felt I, I could have, you know? And so I remember then I also had like a, a performance at a series that they invited me and I remember there was this huge butterfly and was like flying around me and everybody could see it and they were like wow that's a huge butterfly and I remember I was like I remember I came to peace with it and I said that's my dad and they said what I said yeah my dad kind of comes for some reason in butterflies and an actor said oh that happens to my wife but with hummingbirds and I said okay so we I kind of like tried to forget about it because I was about to record a scene. And I remember I went to my hotel and that night I slept with, like I had a dream with my dad. He came and hugged me. He was super healthy and he was, and so I remember I woke up the next day and I was crying and I was like, that's my dad telling me he did come. And I remember it was happening so many times till there was one day that that's when I said, okay, I remember I was um, sleeping and I woke up and I started to have this really like, um, strong smell and I was like and I thought mm. the house was maybe burning because it, it it smelled like like ashes and I was like mm. but I, something told me don't open your eyes like something told me don't open your eyes and so I inhaled again and I was like I know this smell and then I inhaled again and I remembered that when I was young we were, we used to go to the mall and if my mom and my sister were in the store I would wait with my dad I would suck my thumb and grab into his hands and just like smell them because I, he smoked a lot and I loved how they smelled. And when when I did the third in like inhale, I was like, this is my dad. And I literally felt like my dad was like this while I was sleeping. Yeah. And I told, yeah, like putting his hand like, and I literally heard again that voice that said, I'm here, Mika, you just can't see me. I'm here. I'm right here. Mm. And I remember I just like, I opened my eyes. I told my husband, I think my dad came and he was like, babe, don't tell me that. I was like, no, no, no. I feel <laughs> peace. I feel peace. I'm fine. But my dad. It's a good thing. It's a good thing. <laughs> so with my dad and that relationship, it's been, I feel like he's more in my life now than he was ever in life. That's incredible. So it's, 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 it's really, it's incredible. Yeah. I think that's so beautiful that because it, because it's an experience so many people have of perhaps not having the closeness in a relationship that you wanted in life, but it doesn't mean the relationship ceases to exist in death. And you can also have a different relationship as well. It's a, it's Mm -hmm. a continuous one Mm -hmm. and you get to choose I believe how you continue on with that relationship and how you 
continue to add it into your life. So it's really beautiful to hear that where you say it's actually even closer. It's, yeah. it's more intimate. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, it feels it feels very different. And it feels like, yeah, like it, it's even funny because uh, when we we when we bought a car, um, our second car is, is like a Mini Cooper. And my dad was always very fond of like European cars. And I remember when we bought it, like I literally heard him in my head saying, I like this car. <laughs> like, like, this is a good car, you know, like little things like that, that I'm like, like uh, yeah kind of like good choice I like it you know and it's funny because I'm like this is so strange like I never really like I, I my I wish my dad was like proud of me and he would have told like said it to me or things like that and in various times he did but our relationship wasn't as um as as close because he had a lot of issues with drinking and things like that but yeah it feels it feels like my dad is in some way like my dad is really here like he comes and checks and and he knows and and I, it's almost like I kind of can ask him like oh Lalo please help me like help me with this or you know get my mom a boyfriend or <laughs> like help me to, so she's not by herself you know like things yeah. like that but it's 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 very interesting and and I almost feel it, it's really weird because I never really thought I could do that contact but at the same time it feels very natural mm. so and also it kind of makes sense with who I am and how I live my life my whole life because another thing that happened really funny when I was like eight years old I remember there was this recurrent dream that I would see this man when I would go into a house, there was like snow and I would go into this brown, dark, dark brown wood house. And this guy with like blue eyes would see me and be like, come here, like play with me. And I would be like, no, 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 no. I don't know who you are. And he was like, I want to play with you. I'm like, no, 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 no. And then when I would like, like let go, I would, the, 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 the dream would repeat mm. all the way again and again and again and again. And so, and that happened for years. And I remember one time when I was like around seven or eight, my mom brought out these pictures and then I see this guy and I'm like, who's that? And my mom's like, Oh, that's your grandpa. Mm. And I was like, who, what grandpa? And she's like, that's your dad's. That's who adopted your dad. Yeah. That's William Morrison. Oh, beautiful. And I was like, I see him. And she's like, where, <laughs> where do you see him? <laughs> I'm like, I see him in my dreams. I dream with him all the time. And she's like, and what does he say? I'm like, well, he just wants to play with me, but I'm scared because I don't know who he is. And she's like, it's your grandpa. He really wanted to meet you when you, he really wanted me to get pregnant when he passed mm. because he wanted a third grandchild. And so he was very like, he was looking forward to meet you. So when you dream him again, it's your, it's your abuelito. He wanted to meet you. And I was like, oh, and I never, ever dreamt with him again. Aww. Like I never saw yeah. him again in my dreams. So that, that's always been kind of like in my, in my life, like little things here and there that I felt that are like not, not from this world, but like just different. Oh, I love it. Me too. Me too, Carla. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, <laughs> <laughs> we can be weird together, <laughs> you know, it's such a funny thing because I feel like these are, this is the reason why I wanted to do this podcast to begin with, because this, this will be one of the first episodes and it's a totally new podcast. And it's this idea of honest to God, when I go to a party, 
and somebody finds out that I'm in the spiritual world, they'll tell me some crazy story, like crazy, you know, where I'm like, that hasn't even happened to me. Like that's, that's out there. And they're like, oh yeah, I don't tell anyone. I don't talk about it. Like da da da. But I would say most people have had some kind of spiritual encounter, deep intuitive knowing about something, some kind of like can't explain it. And yet I feel like we're not talking to each other about it. So then we all think we're a little crazy. And that was that that's why I just love having these conversations. Also to show you are so talented by following these gut impulses, by letting your spirit shine out, by owning your truth and by saying, okay, I, my sensitivity works a little bit differently. I do things a little differently, but you know what? I own it. I accept it. I empower myself to do it and I celebrate it. And I think that is amazing. So I just, I, I love hearing these stories. I think I'll never get enough of them, right? Like there's so many people who have so many stories like that. What are the chances of going through a bunch of old photos and being like, no, no, that's the guy in my dream every night. I think it's just brilliant. Yeah. Yeah. And I also feel like intuition is something that a lot of people think that they don't know how to know if it's fear or if it's intuition or if it's something that's telling you something and you're like, no, this is just my fear. This is just, and I feel like when you do work on yourself and, and, and know, and, and always know, you know, that you're in this process of trying to understand what is a sign and what isn't what is like fear telling you and what isn't it, it's a sign of, of of like like if you know what to interpret from each is because you have a like a direct relationship with yourself and I do feel like a lot of people we're not told to to cultivate our most important relationship that is with ourselves and to validate those feelings and to validate the intuition that we feel or if like an energy doesn't feel right, or if you feel like, no, this just doesn't feel right. Like, like things here, like here and there. So you don't feel like, oh, maybe it's just a crazy thing. And, and I've always felt like, I don't know why, but like, a lot of people are scared to, to, to tap into that because they don't want to be too cheesy, or they don't want to be perceived as crazy or as hippies or as this or as that. And it's like, honestly like i followed like all of my 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 career has been through intuition and through like learning from these signs and trying to see what like my life experience is trying to teach me because i do feel like i came here to, to be taught something and to learn something and and also about love you know and so i feel like we're all too focused on the diplomas and the work and the status and the fame and and to to kind of prove a point to someone but we're really just trying to like do what everybody's doing because we feel like that's right mm -hmm. but what's right is just to follow your own path and your own journey because we're all very different you know and so i feel like intuition comes in into that part where you're just like oh like like i remember like me and my husband we're together for years and years and we just recently got married and it, it and i never felt in my heart like oh, this isn't going to happen. It's taking so long because it's not even that. Like, no, it was like, this is so serious. Like, it will happen. It's just that we just haven't set the date. Mm. And so there's things that I just feel like, like, obviously we need to like see our, like see the situation we're in, but just cultivating that in like with yourself, I think it's so important. It's something that I learned all the way up until I was 30, that I had to really become my best friend. 
and and be cool with me just the way i would be with my best friend and and be like hey don't be hard on yourself don't say that like the same goes to me even if i think that that weird thought of like you know or that my dad told me i'm here you just can't see me like not like not not validate that you know and just be my friend and so i feel like there's a lot of people out there that just don't know how to be their own friends and i would definitely recommend being your friend because you know life can get lonely when you're an adult also it's hard to make schedules you know work and everybody's trying to make you know their life and ends meet and so if you don't cultivate that with yourself it just takes you to a very lonely place and life is just until up to what i know or i think it's just one and we have to live it to the fullest and and love is like above all and i think loving ourselves should be the most important thing in this life for sure preach it i love it it's true and i wasn't always very good at it either and then i realized like oh this is gonna be a long hard life if you don't like the person you're doing it with <laughs> You know, like if you're just going to beat yourself up every day, this is going to be horrible. Um, so let's make friends. <laughs> but now but now I can honestly say, I swear, it's been like such a nice change in the last two years. Now I can honestly say like I like hanging out with me, you know, <laughs> like, um, like I like yeah. it. And I and I can see that you also like it. And um, and I think that's it's such a it's such a victory in my own life. And it is something I would want for everybody yeah. because I definitely didn't have it for a while there in my 20s, I would say. And yes. And and I think we also live with it's such an important message and I'm so glad you bring it up because we do live in a world where there's so much external feedback telling us what's not good or what we should fix. And I think self-help even falls into that category often of like a perpetual looking at what's not working. Right? Like it's like everything can be better. You can be better at relationships and you can be better at communicating and you can be better at self-care. And all these things are great and we should want to improve. But if it comes from a place of constant criticism that you're not there yet, I think it can be really disrupting. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And everything is always constantly telling us that we're not good enough. Good enough. And I think that yeah, it's always good to be, you know, trying to, to be better at whatever you were doing, but also just sit there and value what you've done all the way up to here, to where you are at mm -hmm. life, you know, and, and, and not get carried away with everybody else's expectations or the status quo or the formula to have like a great life. Like everybody's different and everybody looks different and it's just, I mean, for me, I've always had a lot of allergies with food. And for the longest time, I was so mean to myself. I thought, oh, what a pain. Like, like I'm that gluten-free person. I'm that sugar-free person. I'm like, ah, like, it. but the moment I accepted it and the moment that I really um, honored what my body was asking me, I just started to feel more peace. And like, I don't have, you know, my anxiety got way lowered because I don't have sugar and you know I understood that I can only have one cup of coffee a day and things like that and I know people say oh you know like we we want to fit into groups because we want to feel connected and we want to feel like we belong somewhere but sometimes you know you do be, we do belong sometimes in minor, minorities like you said the 20 percent of people in, in in the world is highly sensitive we belong somewhere it's fine <laughs> 
you know so it's like but it's 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 really hard for people to understand that and and so we just want to belong because we feel very lonely but i feel like the times where i felt less lonely is the times where i've actually spent time with myself and like just mm. you know be with me journal color in my books play the piano you know work on my you know on my little recipes bake something you know be with my doggies that's when i feel less lonely because i'm actually being my own friend and and being okay with who mm. i am as a person i love that thank you so much for for your time but i'd like to ask you what you currently are sending out to the world in terms of inner truth or even manifestation what's your next kind of dream or where are you putting your energy right now oh my god right now i honestly feel like what i want to put out if if that ever is like another album or songs with other artists or a book or whatever i feel like i want to do i just want to do it from a place where it's where it's like completely conscious and um like that i know what i'm doing and it's like like that it has an intention not not something that's just like not there you know like like um how do i like empty i don't want it to be empty i don't want to do things just because i should be doing things because tiktok or instagram or or views and likes and whatever that stuff means um i just want to be conscious about it and and i guess also it's just sending like love and kindness i feel like for the last year or two years i've been talking a lot about mental health um in my in my music in my interviews and in my whole last album um about just allowing yourself to be able to rebirth if you need to because i feel like the pandemic was a hard time for all of us and so just kind of making people aware that we're not in a race against anyone but ourselves so we need to be kinder to ourselves and and to honor our our processes and take time with our lives and our dreams and our ideas and whatever we want to embark on so i feel like right now i'm in a place where i want to create from a place that is conscious that is loving and that only goes through the rhythm of myself and not the rhythm of what people think should be the rhythm you know so i think i think that's where i stand right now <laughs> that's beautiful thank you so much thank you for your time this was such a lovely discussion i feel like i could talk to you for ages um truly <laughs> i hope i see you at one point i want to see you live really badly if you please come to lisbon <laughs> so oh. <laughs> so i can see you i hope oh my god it would be amazing to come to lisbon but for sure. If if I do come, I will let you know. Um, if if yeah, whenever you come, let me know so I can actually see where I'm gonna be at. Um, but yes, and thank you, thank you, Fleur, because honestly, I've been following your work for years. Like I really. Oh, how funny is that? Do. I didn't know that. Yes, and and I also had been listening to your podcast, so it, it's crazy to me to be talking to you. Have your your ten minutes intuition right here, and then I have your movie Beyond Book too. So it's, yeah, like, honestly, <laughs> thank you so much for the work that you do and, and just really reminding people that they need to connect with themselves on, on that level because not a lot, not a lot of us do. And, and it's beautiful and I love thank your you. work. So thank you for inviting me. And this was great. Yes. Yes. 
this was great. It was such a fun conversation, and I, I really love your work as well. So keep putting all that out there, and uh, I will hopefully see you soon at some point. Okay. All right. All right. Well, thank Bye. you so much. Have a great rest thank of you. your night. Bye. You too. Bye.